This podcast is brought to you by Scudero, the software that elevates your flight operations. The technical aspects of business aviation are changing almost on a daily basis. As these changes continue to alter the landscape of our industry, let's get some perspective from those among us most likely to work with and even implement these changes, the young professionals of business aviation. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Pete Combs with your trusted source for business aviation news. Artificial intelligence, it's a buzzword wherever you turn, and that includes in business aviation, where AI is considered a prominent emerging technology. So how are we dealing with it? Well, let's tackle this question from ground zero by talking with a couple of business aviation's young professionals. Jessica McClintock is vice president of global account management at Fueler Links, and Ed Crump is CEO of Air Proxima. Thanks to you both for joining us. I'm of an age where the vision of artificial intelligence used to be Kit from the television show Knight Rider. Obviously, things have changed tremendously. So let's start out by defining our terms. Jessica? Sure. I mean, there's a few different ways that you notice AI in just the functionality that we interact with on a daily basis. For instance, you know, when you're driving in your car and you have Amazon Alexa or one of those tools speaking to you, telling you um, <laughs> for your your GPS and so forth of, of what to do, how it's recognizing everything in advance and kind of predicting your next step. Everything is kind of in a guiding tool for you throughout the world now, um, not even just within the United States, but China, Asia, you know, everything around us, you know, kind of push us towards predictive analysis and optimization and efficiency, regardless of if you're within the aviation spectrum or not. In fact, both of your companies, Fueler Links and Air Proxima, use some measure of artificial intelligence to get things done every single day, right? It's definitely a combination of um, what is 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 a very limited version of what Ed's tool does in the artificial intelligence processes, but it's really about efficiencies and optimization. Jessica mentioned Ed's company, Air Proxima. Ed, if I understand correctly, what your company does in part is take a massive amount of data, sift through that, and try to find a flight that best suits the client. Ed, that sounds like a tremendously daunting task. How do you do that? You know, it's, it's an excellent question, but it's got it's got a lot going uh, kind of behind it to be able to answer that. So the I think the big thing to think about what what the, the the biggest challenge I guess that most companies face when they try to do something like this is gathering that data. You know, is where is that data? You know, is it real time data? Is it archival data? You know, it's like how do you get it? And the ability for for you to ingest that data is actually you know the tools. You know, nowadays, you know, we we you know when we did Alexa. You know, the tools didn't exist, so we built them, right? But now they exist for you to do this. But even so, just getting the data and curating that data so you can use it in, in, you know, with this technology, that's actually one of the big stumbling blocks that most, most people have. The other thing to think about is it's not just one thing. You know, it's like, it's like the way your brain works, right? You, you, you know how to do math, you know how to read and all those things. You would have to train models for every facet of what you are trying to predict, so you think about like future bookings prediction, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a large um, aviation operator and I kind of want to know 
am I going to have, you know, how many flights, let's say, am I going to have on Thursday, Thursday morning? And then you kind of want to know from where to where, right? And you kind of want to know maybe, are they going to be late? What kind of facets of this question are you going to try to answer? So the way we do this practically today, right, is you think about, you get all that data and you're going to continually gather more data sources. Like you might even pull in like Airbnb data. You know, you might even pull in, you know, whatever um, online sources of, you know, maybe consumer behavior that you can, you know, you can maybe glean some information about why people are going where, you know, where you're predicting they're going to go. So event database is a great example of that too. So you, you have to, you have to take all this data, right? And then you've got to build these models in an intelligent way. And you have to go through each and every one of those models. You might have a thousand, right? And each one of those is going to have some ability to predict based on certain pieces of the information, uh, the data that you were curating. And then you get all of these sort of signals that come out of all of that, you know, the morass of models. And then you build more models on top of all of that, right? And so then you try to then think about the end goal of what you're trying to do that let's predict, you know, flights for uh, Thursday, 10 a.m. And then you can actually train models to predict how many flights you're going to have. You can predict how many of certain aircraft, uh, aircraft classes you're going to want to are you going to want to have for there? You can predict which airports or maybe which regions are going to be the most hit, and also predict like the directionality of those aircraft because a lot of those aircraft have to get to their next flight. So as you said, you totally nailed it. It's it's a it's a very very huge problem, and that's the way we look at things. The way that we you know I, I coach people on this when they're building their own systems is you can't do that with small data sets and you certainly can't do that naively, right? You need to understand the data sets and be able to pull out those signals. Well, as you both know, business aviation is a tremendously forward-looking industry, but we're also pretty set in our ways in some regards. So if I can ask both of you, beginning with Ed, what's been your experience with talking about your products to others in the business aviation community? So far, are people receptive? Do they tend to be a little skeptical? How is all this received? Well, definitely skeptical. Um, and I would say the, I mean, and for good reason, right? I mean, you think about these flight departments that we work with. I mean, these, these are brilliant people. You know, they've been doing it for decades. They, they, they intuit essentially how to do these things. And, you know, then they have systems to help them kind of get it right, if you will. But there's a lot of wetware, you know, a lot of human interaction for these things. So in order, and this is something we learned in 2017 in particular, we went through with, you know, dozens of operators and just sat down with them and said, hey, here's some algorithms, right? You know, here's some things for optimization or here's some things to kind of help you with um, kind of predicting where, you know, the flights are going to come from so you can optimize your fleet better. And we just gave them some tools and, you know, kind of observed what they did with it. And by and large, what you said was totally true, that no matter how powerful the tools were, if they didn't integrate into their workflows, they just there was no way for them to use it. No matter how, no matter how like some of these savings were hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of savings per month, right? And it's like, but they couldn't use it because you know even though they know the answer, their systems and their processes don't allow for that. So what we learned was okay, and this has been true by the way for every AI uh, company I've worked for, so it's no surprise. Um, and every AI project I've done is you go through and say, okay, let's just take a simple workflow that has some problem that, you know, that they want to solve. You know, maybe it's like I'm on the phone for three hours and I would like to do that for, you know, I would like to do it online for five minutes or something. And you, you just heavily target that problem. You say, look, 
let's do a quick pilot with you, right? You give us the data, you know, that's pertinent to your business. We'll take all this data that we have that we've been building these AI models with. And then we're going to combine those into a very simple sort of uh, thing, think of like a signal or prediction or report dashboard, something like that, that you can use in your workflow. And so then instead of spending, let's say, three hours on the phone trying to find an aircraft, we're going to tell you this is where the aircrafts that, that actually, you know, these aircrafts match the flights. Let's say you're trying to, to schedule. And here are the operators you can talk, call to either uh, use theirs, you know, to do supplemental uplift, or you can do essentially here's your fleet that you move things around a little bit and you can use yours. And so we, we gave them just like super targeted tools and then, then they're able to use it, right? Then they're able to sort of realize, you know, okay, this is now no longer threatening, frankly, but it's also not, it's not impacting their day-to-day -day kind of workflow. That's been consistent 2017, 2018. And with the, the partnership with Futurelinks in particular, you know, the, the amount of information that when we give these tools to Futurelinks, they can, they can now apply this to their, their entire suite of tools so that they can take, like we were talking about future bookings or whatnot, they can apply it to, you know, the, you know, the fuel kind of products that they have as well. So that's kind of just, it, it, is, it, is a, it is a challenge for companies to embrace this, and they are very skeptical. We have cracked, I think, the nut in, in 2019, where we're really seeing people being able to use these tools effectively. I completely agree with Ed in that, in, in the fact that, you know, just in, in the spectrum of an aviation uh, department, I speak with so many clients every day that joke around about their old version of Internet Explorer that doesn't even allow them to upgrade to the next level because of the operation standpoint, the antiquated processes that they have in place. Um, and it's not by the um, flight coordinator's decision to be on the lower level of technology when it comes to a, a business so thriving upon the growth of technology. But it's, it's the, I think it's the challenges that Ed was kind of describing of kind of that threat um, that is a little bit scary for um, flight departments and for business aviation as a whole to onboard fully with um, the current processes that they have in mind work so well for them in their their sense of the the case of the word um, throughout the entire you know past decade or so and onboarding new technology can be can be trying can be a little bit scary for a flight department to actually you know onboard fully and trust, especially with technology taking such a, a lead in, in so much development throughout our, our culture today. That's Jessica McClintock, Vice President of Global Account Management at Fuelerlinks. More on our topic in a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor, Scudero, software that elevates your flight operations. Scudero is one powerful, intuitive solution for organizing all aspects of your flight operations. Whether you operate a large fleet or a single jet, Scudero can be tailored to fit your needs with customized integrations to any of your existing platforms. Access your operational data from wherever you are and enable your pilots to access relevant information using the Scudero Crew app. Elevate your flight operations with Scudero. Go to scudero.com to learn more. We're back with Ed Crump, CEO of Air Proxima, and Jessica McClintock of Fuelerlinks. Jessica, before the break, we were discussing AI and how it can sometimes be a challenge to convince folks this is a valuable resource they can depend on. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where you have to um, get the buy-in from the client 
and they have to be able to trust what they're utilizing and they have to put trust in the tools. Um, just like if you were a pilot in a plane, you know, you have to put some sort of trust into autopilot in order for you to turn that on, right? So if you don't see it working well for another user or for another pilot, you're really going to be a little hesitant on pressing that autopilot button. It's giving control to something or giving the guidance opportunity to something outside of your own human interaction. That's very well said. Pointing to the autopilot, that is a very useful example of cockpit automation. So perhaps it's the way we frame it. We talk about this as another tool in the toolbox. That being said, Ed, where do you see AI in the cockpit and elsewhere within our industry? Where do you see that going in the days to come? Yeah, I think the the way I kind of want to go back to something you guys were saying to kind of maybe tee up that answer is that one of the things from, like you said, a coaching perspective that um, we go we go in is everybody thinks about AI as this big thing that's going to answer all these big questions. But like I said, it's it's like a thousand different things that you might string together to really answer those big questions that would be your AI. But there's a subtlety here, which is the other coaching is, well, in your current day-to-day life, how much accuracy do you need in certain processes? Like, you know, one company I, I've talked to here they actually, if they make a, make a mistake, you know, they just call the customer and say, you know, we're terribly sorry, but we no longer can support that flight, you know, and we recommend maybe you can go talk to these people, uh, as opposed to the other, you know, uh, folks that we, we've worked with that are, there is absolutely no tolerance for that. I mean, they will find the plane, they bring it to you, it's the same class of plane and whatnot. So the, a big coaching is, you know, what is the accuracy you need? Because the other side of this coin is, the difference between like a 90% accurate ML model, and we're just talking a model that is doing a very specific task of predicting something, and something that is like 98%, right, or 95%, it's a huge difference. And in fact, it might even take you millions of dollars to be able to build some of these models to get the accuracy you want. What are the things that you're actually trying to solve? And, and basically stack rank those and sort of like the ease of implementation and ease of understanding what you're trying to accomplish. So that was kind of like, I, w- I wanted to tee up that I think what, what we're seeing, and this is where I think we're going in, uh, you know, in business aviation is there, there's like, you know, a handful of things, like specifically I mentioned one already, future bookings prediction. I mean, it sounds easy, right? I gave you this great scenario of like Thursday, 10 a.m., Peterborough, you know, down to, you know, maybe Miami, they're gonna be 15 minutes late. You could really go to the, the mat and, you know, down to bare metal on all these different things just to predict that simple thing. Um, but you could also just predict that you need 100 planes, you know, to satisfy this particular uh, event. So the, the ability to do future bookings prediction, you can think of it as you start really small and then you can just completely explode this in terms of resources, money, and actual value. So that's a big one. The other, another three or four here are like consumer behavior prediction, right? The ability for you to understand your consumers, and I just alluded to something that is upwards of 60% of the, the operators that we've talked to, at least the bigger ones that have you know more than 40 planes or so. I mean, 60% of their schedules will change during that day. Right? I mean, they've got a schedule and they know where the planes need to go. And they have to kind of anticipate the fact that somebody's going to be late 15 minutes. And so that's going to have a knock-on effect for that plane on its next flights. And the ability for them to say, they, they don't want it today, now they want it tomorrow. You know, I mean, things like the um, third-party transportation, just getting them there. So the consumer behavior prediction is another big one that we're going to nail in the next year or so. In fact, 
our software is, is taking stabs at both of these. The other ones that are bread and butter that I do see lots of operators that um, that have the resources that have got some ML, you know, some data science and some machine learning people under the hood, you know, is obviously like cost optimization, right? You know, the ability to remove your dead legs. You know, a lot of people attack that with software. A lot of people are trying to attack that now with ML and with varying degrees of success. Um, but the optimization and like savings, you know, that come from that, clearly in the next year, that's going to be a big ticket. And then I, I think the other the other thing that is subtle and nobody's really doing this, it's just like flight parameter prediction, right? You think about, you know, we all know how long it's going to take, you know, this particular class of aircraft to go from airport A to airport B, because, you know, we have, we have software that calculates it, you know, with an algorithm, you know, we've got software that is using historical data to get some statistics and kind of accurately try to predict. But if you actually take something that simple, that is the basis of every one of these scheduling systems, you can wrap that in machine learning models as well. Then, you know, again, just think of crew behavior prediction, right? You know, when are these guys, you know, going to cancel or be late or, you know, lots of information about the crew is actually available, but that's a huge thing. And then the operators themselves, right? When you asked me a question earlier about, well, let's say I'm trying to help a consumer, right? Be able to get a flight. Well, I have to understand, you know, if you think about a network of operators, like which ones are going to be the right ones to service that customer? So I think those are like, I don't know, I gave you like six, you know, future bookings, consumer behavior, cost optimization, operational parameters, crew behavior, and operator behavior. I bet all of those you're going to see, certainly within uh, the next year or two, you're going to see us really focusing on all of those. Wait, wait, the next year or two? Things are moving that fast? Yeah, it's, it's, it's something that, um, I mean, again, I can't come back to the how do we do these things? How do, how do we do Alexa, right? Because it didn't exist. And we were at the time when we were building Alexa, we were obviously, you know, I was studying, you know, what else is out there, right? And I was hooking up algorithms and whatnot to see how well they were predicting things so that I could have an understanding of what the, you know, essentially what the lay of the land was for current technology, uh, you know, talking universities. But we're, we're kind of past that. And I think the key thing is the algorithms now that spent years to develop, right? The deep learning algorithms that are the underpinning of how Alexa was able to leapfrog essentially the, you know, the competition, if you will, to be able to, you know, provide a better quality service is, is now freely available. Like you can go into, you know, you can go into Amazon, you can sign up for an AWS account, you can get yourself a spreadsheet of your favorite data that you'd like to do something with. You could put it into SageMaker and have it start predicting things for you. So it, it is a huge sort of advantage now, and it keeps getting more and more. So the ability for anomaly detection, you're going to see companies come up in the next year or two. You're going to see this become even more commoditized, you know, more so even than what you see with AWS and Google and with uh, other companies today. So, Jessica, we have two classes of people, I would think, when we generally talk about AI and furthering the remarkable technology uh, that Ed's been talking about. I mean, first you have the skeptics we discussed, but you also have younger people who are more versed in this sort of emerging technology. How do you talk to each of these groups? We have the Yopros who are super excited about technology. They utilize everything every day from the music they play in their car on the way to work to, you know, asking Siri to, um, you know, tell them directions to a location. I'm sure Yopros are probably going to have a high level of excitement, a lot of questions. 
I would just suggest ask more questions and continue to do your own research on it. Continue to ask um, those who know more about artificial intelligence and those who have been in the industry, you know, those questions and, um, and get more feedback of what the industry looks like now. Ask people like Ed, who clearly has a ton of knowledge in the industry as, as a whole, as far as understanding artificial intelligence and where it began and where it's at now and what he's trying to build in the future. Um, for those skeptics, I think that it's understanding it more, right? It's it's asking more questions in a different sense, asking those questions that are kind of playing devil's advocate. Um, you know, those help our business and that, those help the world of artificial intelligence and that that whole concept really evolve. If you don't push back on an idea and if you don't, you know, play that devil's advocate piece, you won't find the huge value that you really want to create by being contrasted with a, a varied opinion, right? So that's really important part of our business and a part of artificial intelligence as a whole. That's Jessica McClintock at Fueler Links, along with Ed Crump, the CEO of Air Proxima. For more information, go to the NBAA website, nbaa.org, and search for artificial intelligence. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan podcasts at Apple's iTunes website, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Pete Combs. Thanks for listening to Flight Plan. Flight Plan.